This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast this week. What's going on, Kyle? Well, this week, we're going to be covering some frequently asked questions that we've received over the last few months. Yeah, we've been, we released a couple episodes early on, and uh, we thought it was a good time to come back to some of these, so. Sure, yep. You want to get us started? Yeah, so something we get quite often is, what does it cost to start? People think that, oh, maybe we charge some sort of consulting fee. Right. Um, so that's pretty straightforward answer. Uh, it does not cost you anything to do, to reach out to us, to ask us questions. Um, if we go through questions and you're still interested, we go through the process. You see an illustration, doesn't cost you anything. You aren't obligated to do business with us. Um, we receive our pay as commission when we put policies in force. Yeah. That's when we get paid. And that's the only time we get paid. There are some in the industry though, that do charge to work with them. Like there's anywhere from, you know, a couple hundred bucks to a few thousand just to talk to somebody. And they do that. I think part of the reason is so you're not wasting their time. But so, I mean, if we feel like you're kind of fishing, you know, wasting our time, like, you know, our time is very important to us and we got a lot of stuff going on. So we're not just going to be handing out all of our time. Right. We're not going to be handing out all of our time. Um, so just, that's just a comment to please, you know, um, our time is valuable, so please respect it. And we're going to do our best to answer every question that you have. Yeah, exactly. So another common thing we get is, what if I can't pay my entire premium? Well, we got to cancel the policy, right, Kyle? Yep, it's done. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's the end of the world. You just got screwed by us. Um, No, but on a serious note, uh, that is an awesome thing about infinite banking design policies. When you... Structure these things for cash value accumulation, i.e. you put a PUA rider on it. Yep. And with certain companies as well, um, not all companies are flexible, you have the ability to pay what is called the base premium on the policy. The base premium is typically the smallest um, or smaller of the two um, in percentage-wise of yep. base premium and PUA rider premium. Um, so, for example, let's say we have a $10,000 a year premium. Uh, what should we do? 4000 base, Kyle, and uh, 6000 to the PUA. That $4,000 would be required. The 6000 is not required, and with certain companies, you can add that money at leisure throughout the year as you want to. Or if you can't make a full payment one year, you can come back and backfill the previous year's payment with with most of the companies that we use. Yes. So um another note is okay, let's say year one happened. You paid that, and we're gonna stick with my ten thousand dollar example that I just laid out. You paid that ten thousand dollar premium. Let's say year two comes around. And you just flat cannot come up with any money. Um, not an ideal situation, but because of how the policy was designed, likely you can take a policy loan or what would be called an automatic premium offset 
yep. and pay that premium. No dollars out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. This is an extremely um, resilient, um, robust design of these IBC policies. Yeah, so don't be afraid. If you can't make the full payment every year, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So, but just also know that your policy is not going to perform like the illustration either if you're not finding it like the illustration. Exactly. Very important to be aware of. And and you should also realize too um, that there are some companies that if you reduce your premium down to only that 4000 and you don't pay the PUA premium, you will not be able to, without going through underwriting, boost it back up to the $10,000. Yeah, some companies have uh, minimum amounts that you have to put into the PUAs to fund them. A common one for one company we work with is $120 a year into the PUA, which is very reasonable for somebody to get in there. Another company, um, they do, you have to pay 50% of the PUA rider at least one time over a five-year period. Cumulatively. Yeah, so it's very flexible. I mean, it's, it's yeah, you there, can find a way. Exactly. And there's companies out there that are very flexible, like what we just described. There's others that are not flexible. So just keep that in mind as you're searching for the policy that's right for you. Yes. So on to question number three. Is there an uh, age limit to start a policy? There is. Um, if you're a newborn, 15 days of age. Mm-hmm. And you can typically, I won't say this in every case, but typically... You can obtain whole life insurance if you're still healthy enough until age 85. Yeah. Um, it might not make much sense, but for you know, there's always a case where yeah, it, it depends works. on what your goals are. Yep. Definitely. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty straightforward there. And something to keep in mind is those policies that you issue on newborns at 15 years of age. I mean. Kyle, it's crazy how many times that newborns come up with things that they're diagnosed with. Yeah. And you can effectively give them life insurance for their entire life, assuming you continue to pay premiums on this, mm-hmm. guaranteed from fi- age um, 15 days on. And you can also put those guarantee- guaranteed insurability riders on them too. Absolutely. So. So yeah, definitely gives you some options there. Mm-hmm. And, and that guaranteed insurability rider would give you the option to purchase more whole life insurance at specific points in the future if yeah. you wanted to. And you're also starting them early, which is giving more time for compound interest to do its magic. So more time for compound interest to do its magic. And I I'm big, I'm a huge believer in this, is this is this gives you the ability to teach your children how this works. So if you start the infinite banking process in your life and you want to, you know, continue this and pass it on to the next generation, if you leave them a lot of death benefit without any education, that is just asking for a lot of problems. Absolute disaster where everything you've built your whole life could be lost, you know, instantly and not the other generations won't be able to experience it. So, I mean, yeah, this gives you a, Awesome way to start teaching them. So anyways, that, that answered that question. So let's let's keep moving on, Kyle. Yeah, so the next one, which common one, gets confused all the time. When you pay yourself back, are you paying yourself interest? And sometimes from you know videos on YouTube or even books that people read or wrote, 
it can seem as if they're saying that you're paying yourself back interest and that's just not the case. That is not the case. Um, a lot of people get confused in becoming your own banker, or, although Nelson does clearly state that you are paying um, interest to the insurance company. Um, but to, to, to give a short answer, the answer is no, you're not paying yourself back interest. No. Now, what people are talking about when they say pay yourself back is your policy because we've taken a policy loan, your policy was just the collateral to the loan that the life insurance company gave you out of their general account. So your policy's policy is continuing to earn guaranteed interest and dividends, even though you have an outstanding loan from the insurance company. Yes. So in a way, it is like that interest that you're earning is, is basically... Um, what people are saying that you're paying yourself back because it's just a conf- um, a confusion of terminology, I think, when people say this. And um, it's unfortunate, I guess, because it has created a big question in the industry. But the simple answer is no, you're not paying yourself back interest. You're paying interest to the insurance company because when you take a policy loan, you are not taking money out of your policy it is coming from the insurance company's general account, and your policy is the collateral. And your policy is still earning interest, though, and that's how this thing works. Exactly. So. Your entire bucket of money, the, the portion that is collateralized for the loan from the insurance company and whatever is still remaining in cash value that is not collateralized is still earning guaranteed interest and dividends. Yep. <clears throat> so... No, you are not paying yourself back. Nope. Or you're not paying yourself interest. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and here's another thing, Kyle, is um, you can, not saying that this is the, the absolute best thing to do, but you can, if you choose to, pay yourself back more interest than what the insurance company is charging. Now, in that case... The interest that the insurance company is charging for the loan is going to the insurance company. And let's say that was at a 5% rate. You decided that you wanted to pay a loan back monthly um, at a 7% rate, though. Mm -hmm. So that extra 2% is not money that's going to the insurance company anymore. It is a premium payment to your life insurance policy going into the PUA rider. And then once you have your policy filled up and if you're still owing yourself interest, you can put it in a savings account, save it for that next policy to start. So that's something that's totally up to you. Nelson um, preached that, you know, it should be done, but you are the banker, so you can choose whether you want to do it or not. Absolutely. That's the cool thing about being the banker. You're in control, Kyle. Exactly. (laughs) So we'll move on to the, the next common question and... We um, get asked, you know, is it better to have direct direct recognition or non-direct recognition? And really, when it comes down to it, the most simple answer of it is, is no, it does not matter. And Nelson Nash himself said it himself, said it well as well that, you know, it really doesn't matter as long as you're using a good mutual company um, that's flexible. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, I have two points to add here. Um, actually, three. I'll start off with the short one is 
I own both direct recognition and non-direct recognition, Kyle, um, because I don't believe that it matters. It's just a different way of figuring um, how dividends are paid. Mm -hmm. Um, How does it directly, what directly is this talking about? Direct recognition and non-direct recognition are specifically referring to how loans are recognized that you are taking against these policies. Yep. Non-direct recognition companies do not recognize the fact that you have a policy loan outstanding. So for instance, let's say you have $100,000 of cash value built up, $50,000 is being collateralized by a policy loan, $50,000 is not collateralized because there is no policy loan against it. Mm -hmm. You continue to earn the same guaranteed interest in the same dividends on that entire $100,000 of money, even though $50,000 has a loan outstanding against it. Yep. A direct recognition policy, same example. They will adjust the, they will not adjust the guaranteed interest. That is guaranteed and it is going to happen. But what they do is adjust the dividend on the money that is collateralizing the policy loan. So in that same example, that $50,000, they can adjust it and they can adjust it up or down. Typically you're going to know that before you take out the policy, how that works. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just, it's not a big deal. Um, uh, One story also that I think brings a lot of clarity to this. Um, My mentor, John Montoya, when he was uh, starting his first IBC policy, he Um, shot Nelson an email and was wondering, you know, what do I do? Non-direct recognition or direct recognition? Nelson, um, Nelson lived in Alabama and John lived in California. There's a little bit of a time difference there. And so Nelson ended up calling John as he was putting his kids in the car to go to school that morning. And John was very surprised to get this phone call. And the short of it is Nelson told John, you're majoring in the minors, meaning that you're focusing on the wrong things. This this isn't important when it comes to becoming your own banker. This is a minor detail. And he was just speaking about the direct recognition and non-direct recognition. It's not a big deal. Does not matter. Yeah. So um, that's all I have to say on that. So the last question we'll be going over today is, does it makes does it make you more money does your money grow more with one large policy compared to multiple other policies and i guess i would say is it's very hard for you to start off with your first policy um large enough because you're just new to the concept and everything and you're just you're probably never going to start as big as what you should and it's a lot better if you can though because you're getting through that capitalization phase with the first policy the larger the policy you can do I think the better off you're going to be because you're getting over that capitalization phase. Now, if you're just doing a bunch of small policies, you know, every year, you're constantly in the capitalization phase. It's not a bad thing because you're going to get out of it at some point. And if your income is rising, that's great. And you can keep starting a policy. Awesome. You know, and you're doing what you can right now with what you have. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it makes much sense to just keep starting a bunch of little policies. Like if you're doing, oh yeah, 4,000 here and then, oh, 4,000, 4,000, 4, you know, 
That Whereas if we really sit down and plan and maybe it's like, no, you can start a $25,000 policy right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should go ahead and do it. Yeah, or if it's, hey, you can start, maybe it is only a $4,000 policy. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, save up a little f- until your next policy. So, you know, it's you're not just having a bunch of $4,000 policies. And, you know, to to answer... The direct question here, does your money grow larger with one policy or multiple policies? Yes. I mean, if theoretically you started a a $50,000 policy on day one and 10 $5,000 policies on day one, the $50,000 policy is going to be slightly larger, mainly due to the fact that insurance gets cheaper the more of it that you buy. Yeah, you you do gain a little bit of efficiency as you purchase more insurance. It's not like the end-all, be-all we are talking about very, very small numbers here. But it's there and it's yep. real. So, yep, it absolutely is. So, if you can, yeah, you want to do it. Here's, here's something that I think uh, doesn't make sense to me personally is when people have buckets of money. And so, Kyle, I'm going to have one bucket of money. So, I'm going to have one policy for business expenses. I'm going to start another one for my children's education. And I'm going to have another one for um, family vacations and maybe even like some home repairs, things like that. Okay. If you're going to start three policies like that, I I would definitely recommend looking at just doing one policy, keeping track of the numbers, you know, of what's being spent on each of those categories and just being honest with yourself, yeah. paying it back. It's not that hard to track it if you need to. I mean, you can, you know, develop a Excel sheet pretty easy to keep track of that stuff. And it's just going to be less, much less of a headache. To yeah. I mean, them. everything's going to be on that, on that one large policy. Everything's going to be looked at as one, one loan by the insurance company. Yeah. If you take out loans within, you know, a couple of weeks of each other and haven't paid the other one back, but it's also going to be less for you to manage as sure. far as policies, you know, having three policies to pay premium on three policies to pay loan repayments back to, the the more you can simplify, the easier it's going to make your life and it's going to benefit you slightly with a little bit um, cheaper insurance, cost and if, of insurance. If it's easier for you, you're going to use it more. So that's also Absolutely. A, that a is good so thing. true, Kyle. And, it's, and like between a husband and wife, like don't think that you need to have the whole policy on one person. We, we often suggest to people, like if you're going to start, let's say, a uh, $20,000 policy that it does make sense to split that down the middle and do 10 and 10 on each or, you know, depending on income, whatever. But somewhere along the lines of splitting that up between two policies makes a lot of sense and you're not losing much efficiency at all. You're not losing much efficiency. And if that's not where you're at, you aren't in that right mindset. You know, for people in their 20s to 40s, even 50s, Term insurance does not cost very much money. No. And so you could easily buy the amount of death benefit that you have with a term policy for the person who isn't covered in that last scenario. Sure. Kyle laid out. If you want to put all the money into one whole life insurance policy on one person. Yep. So those are the questions we have for you guys today. And I hope that our answers were clear and brought some clarity to you. Yeah, and feel free to submit any questions that you have, and we'll include them in our next uh, Frequently Asked podcast. Yeah, and uh, highly encourage you guys. We just got done with our big 
excuse me, our book review um, podcast series. But I would highly encourage anybody that hasn't already read Becoming Your Own Banker to get a copy of that. And you can find that in the show notes of of the podcast. Yep. We'll get that included in there. So, okay. That's it for this time, guys. Thank you. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.